This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for your tablet, smartphone, and desktop. Support the show and get a free audiobook of your choice by visiting audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by TrekFan. TrekFan isn't just a Star Trek fan club, it's a challenge. You will explore new places, learn new things, and collaborate with other fans to solve puzzles, complete real-life mission objectives, and win great prizes. And in the spirit of an enlightened future, TrekFan is absolutely free. Not just free to play, but completely free. Find out more by visiting fm.trekfan.org. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. Follow standard orbit, Mr. Chekhov, and take a seat. I say. You will obey. It is the word of Landru. Joy to you, friends. Welcome to Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated show about the original Star Trek series. This is a show where we dive into the characters, concepts, cliches, and other things that don't start with C about the original series. My name is Drew, or Landrew. I'm the TOS editor for the network. And with me today is my co-host Mike from Commentary Trek Stars. Hello. Hey, Mike. How's it going? It's going okay. Um, you know, been watching some World Cup. Been watching yes, some, I understand that some there's movies. some kind of sport. Yeah, you know, it's I don't it, I feel like a phony cuz I don't care about soccer for 3 years and 50 weeks of uh, every 4 years and then you know, for those 2 weeks I'm just like, "Ooh, this is interesting." USA. But whatever, you know. <laughs> no, I it's soccer if I may speak on a serious note. Soccer I do actually understand. I I played it when I was a kid. Oh. Cool. You know, to get moving around. My stepdad was my coach and stuff, so well, that's cool. Yeah. I've I've always I've always understood soccer, but I don't watch it. <laughs> Who is it kind of time? Yeah. Four hours a game or whatever. Oh, like an hour and a half. And there's no commercials, <laughs> so that's nice. Woo! Well, today we're not gonna talk about the World Cup because it's not really Star Trek related, though I'm sure that we could figure out something uniting the world uniting to play the world cup is like uh, uh the, the future mm-hmm. where you don't need money there's no commercials you said so yeah it, it's like the future yeah but we're not gonna do that no we're, we're gonna talk uh we're gonna talk about a c a double c uh back to comic comparison where we're gonna we've been a couple months ago we went through the first couple issues of the star trek J.J. Verse ongoing comic, which was Where No Man Has Gone Before. And in this episode, we're going to talk about the next two issues that they did, which was on the Galileo 7. Yes. Which was... which I, for shame, just realized today isn't referencing the 7 on the side of the shuttle. Well, it is. It's referencing both. It's like, okay. Yeah. A double meaning, I, I understand. Yes. <laughs> And, and and this is the first episode of the original series proper, which I ever saw. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It was a good episode. It is a good episode. And it's a good issue of a comic, mostly because they don't change too much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's a pretty good issue of the comic as well. Um, they, they, it's, it almost plays out completely the same except for the end, but we'll get into that. So the issue and the episode both open with a captain's log and an angry, uh, what is he, commissioner, yeah. who, uh, who doesn't seem to care for the stop-off that Kirk and party are making 
to explore this nebula. I mean, to be fair, the commissioner has a point. You know, he's talking about how I think it's millions of lives are, are in jeopardy because he they need to get this vaccine to them. And Kirk is like, this is a pretty crazy looking nebula. We should probably take a look at that thing. Right now. Do we know what kind of like plague there is? Are these people suffering or is it just like, you know, from what I understand, it, it's a vaccine, right? So these people okay. aren't suffering, but if they don't get it there in time, then a bunch of people could die. Basically, I don't know if it's millions or thousands or whatever, but millions of people could die if they don't get this thing in time. You know, and I think they do change that a little bit in the uh, in the comic where it's not as dire, you know, like here they're like a cargo of medical supplies you know, and, and the dude, the guy's saying, you know, like, we need to get these supplies to them in time. Whereas I think that it's actually in the episode, like a vaccine, where it's like, you know, these people's lives are definitely at risk. And he's like, whatever. It's a yeah, step that, off. That, that's good, because that helps with uh, one of my problems with this being that the same guy is on the same ship taking the same supplies to the same place years before it should happen like i didn't i didn't catch that they're not talking about a plague on new paris now they're talking about taking uh just medical supplies so it just so happens that the same guy goes in the same ship to take different things to the same place years before a plague is going to break out yeah and i mean that's one of those things that's one of the things which you know does sort of bother me about these comics in general you know, and I think we talked about that last time where it's like all the same stuff is happening pretty much. But what is it like 12 years earlier or something like that? Uh, right. Oh, also, they didn't change the star date. It's 2821.5. They hadn't quite picked up on that yet in the comic books. The new numbering the new star system. date. Yeah. So that's unfortunate. They did the same thing with with where no man has gone before. Yeah, and they've got the, I mean, you can't trust the comics 100% because there's the whole, like, in the Mirror Universe, the Enterprise is just the refit Enterprise and doesn't even look like... Yeah, yeah, but later on in the comics, they did uh, fix, you know, I'm surprised they didn't go back and fix them in the digital version. Maybe they did. I'm actually reading the print <laughs> version of this one, so... No, I've got the digital version. They didn't They didn't fix the star dates. Oh, that's unfortunate. It is it is unfortunate. Um but it, it it plays the beginning plays pretty much Galileo launching with seven members, the Galileo seven. Mm -hmm. Get it now. It's really clever. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, I apologize. That's okay. Yeah. The the only difference in the crew complement is that instead of random yeoman mirrors, we have yeoman Rand. Yeah. Which, Which I'm assuming that Yo it was going to be Yeoman Rand in the original, and then they they'd gotten rid of her by that time? Uh, yeah. yeah, probably. It is kind of interesting that they would make that change, because, I mean, not to burst anyone's bubble or whatever, but at least my assumption is that by sticking Yeoman Rand in this comic, they are essentially conceding that they're not going to use her in the movies. You know? Yeah, okay. Because then you're establishing a look for her and everything like that, you know, 
It's not like they had already cast Yeoman Rand for Into Darkness or something like that, you know? Right. They're basically saying this is... Yeoman Rand is fair game, you know, because we're not going to be using her. It's probably the same with Christine Chapel and mm-hmm. all of the other strong female characters that can... Uh... <laughs> it's it's kind of strange that they, they wouldn't do that, that they wouldn't have yeah. Yeoman Rand in the movies, but no, whatever. What can you do? So, yes, the Galileo crash lands on a planet in the middle of this nebula. In the original episode, Galileo pretty much just is there because they didn't want to smash up their one Galileo model that they had made. Yeah. But in the in the comic, because you've got the opportunity, um, they crash and their wing tears off. and Their shuttle is much, much, much bigger. Like everything in the JJ-verse. The Galileo 7 in the Galileo 7 comic, as opposed to the Galileo 7 on the Galileo 7 episode with the seven people from Galileo 7. It, it's got the wing blown off, and it's bigger. It's bigger. I don't know about... Yeah, in the episode, it, they say it's 24 feet. That's definitely more than 24 feet. Yeah. I don't know why. Because it's one of those shuttles that, you know, Kirk and them got to the enterprise on you know like had 100 people on it Mm -hmm. and here it is just filled with empty space so that seven guys can go and say hey look at this look at this nebula which is fine i'm okay with that and bringing mccoy and scotty still doesn't make any sense in the comic Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like sure you know everybody else you can have the excuse oh they're nebula specialists and stuff but taking your chief medical officer and your chief engineer and your first officer, this was before the next generation, I guess. Before I mean, you send, you don't send the important people. Yeah, later on in the uh, in the comic, I think it is, you know, when when the the commissioner is like, we need to leave, and Kirk, spoiler, starts like spouting like Starfleet regulations and how it's like the mission has changed, and basically that gives me the authority back. And he's like, look, I've got my first officer, my chief medical officer. And my chief engineer down there, and you want me to just leave him there? Are you crazy? And it's like, dude, maybe you should have thought of that before you stuck those three dudes yeah. in a shuttlecraft, you know? Hey, look, we're, we're transferring all this important stuff. Ooh, shinies. Why don't we send all the important people on the ship except for me? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, whenever there's like a, uh, you know, like the State of the Union or whatever. You know, like things like that. Whenever that they they have like important sessions, there's always like one member in the uh, progression of presidency which is left. Like you can never have everyone who has like a a, a uh, in the um, line of succession. The line of succession, really? Yeah, you like they they can never all be in the same place at the same time because if something happens, because one of them is Batman. No, wait. <laughs> <laughs> never seen no. Batman and President Obama in the same room. There you go. <laughs> I, I, I think it's more practical than that, but yes. <laughs> oh, okay. So yeah. So there's always one dude. So, so that you don't get a repetition of uh, Battlestar Galactica. Right. Even though, no, but that, that was okay. Secretary she, of Education. But that's fine because she was in the line of succession. So, you know, she wasn't in the same place. So it was all good. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that that makes sense. Okay. 
But no, that doesn't make sense for for this though. Putting it's, everybody in the line of succession on one shuttle. Right. Exactly. It's the Let's same. The, same sec- general the first officer, the second officer, and the third officer. Right. And it's not like they're all going to a state dinner or something like that. You know, I mean, they're going into this weird anomaly that they don't know anything about. So, whatever. He was young in the comics. So, the shuttle crash lands, and uh, Spock is forced to take command. Um, They've got to repair the shuttle. They've got to get it charged. And then they find, after somebody gets hit by a giant spear, that they are not alone on this strange planet. Yeah, now here's one difference between the comic and, and the episode, which I think is kind of interesting. It's not even really a difference. It's just sort of like a new dynamic. Whereas in the episode, McCoy's like, so, Spock, you're in command. You know, you, you know, you always want to be in command. You know that you being the logical one, you know, you always are probably criticizing what the captain has to say and everything like that. And now you get to run things all logically and stuff. And the the episode is really all sort of about logic. I mean, I think we talked about this in the, the Spock episode or something, but like this is sort of a great primer for people who haven't seen the show uh, in terms of Spock's character because you can see how logic dictates his actions you know yes um but in the in the comic there's that thing about how Spock was the first officer and and Kirk sort of leapfrogged over him so in the comic you have the conversation between McCoy and Spock where McCoy is like oh so here you finally get your chance at command that must be pretty exciting for you since you know, you think you you probably think you should be the captain now anyway, right? You know, so that's kind of an interesting thing to just kind of throw in yeah, there. It's maybe a matter of pride more than mm-hmm. than than just a matter of curiosity to see if you could do it. Yeah, yeah. It it seems like Spock runs into less resistance. I mean, sure, he gets into a fight with Boma like he does in the episode, but but I feel like he has. They don't have to. They're not demanding to have the funeral in the comic, right? Right. They're just like, we can't dump the body, which is, I mean, again, like we said in Where No Man's Gone Before, you kind of have to accelerate things when you only have two issues of a comic to tell an hour-long story. But one of the things that they do to kind of get around that, which I think actually kind of makes more sense from a storytelling standpoint, is they don't introduce at the beginning that they're not going to have enough power to take off without um leaving some people behind because Mm -hmm. in the episode i mean i kind of see how that works dramatically because there's this element which is introduced in the beginning and it's sort of you know is there to think about throughout the episode where it's like three people are going to have to stay behind you know then one dies then another dies and then it just becomes like well one person is going to have to stay behind whereas um in the comic there's no thought of leaving anyone behind until after it's decided that, you know, phasers are, are what's going to be used to power this shuttle. And see, that mm-hmm. that makes a lot more sense to me because it's like, yeah, under normal circumstances, of course we could bring everything up. But if we're going to be powering this thing with phasers, then that's going to introduce some problems. And one of the problems is we can't have it be as heavy, you know? Right. So I think that actually works better in the comic from a, a logical standpoint. Uh, another difference between the comic and the episode is that 
in the comic, the Enterprise comes and is, you know, trying to search for them. Or no, they do send shuttles, don't they? They send shuttles, they send but, a bunch but they of shuttles. Never, yeah, like there's there's only one thing where like they send a shuttle and then the shuttle comes back and they're like, Yeah, two people got hurt and one people one person died and it's really bad down there. But in the comic did they send shuttles? Like I, to You know, I don't know if they did because I when I was reading it and watching the episode at the same time, I wanna say that yes, they did send shuttles, but they couldn't find the shuttles couldn't find anything. Then okay. they just brought them back, you know. So it was like kind of a nothing thing. Basically the same result, but you didn't have that scene where the guy's like, oh my God. It was just they sent shuttles down, the shuttles couldn't find anything. Yeah. Because it's a big planet and they couldn't. Mm-hmm. They had to use, they had to pick up their visual scanning. And there's a whole thing in the in the episode where they're like testing out, transporting and all that stuff. And that really isn't present in the comic at all. I think yeah. they just say, like, it wouldn't work. Because Scotty's not here to make it work. Right, exactly. Well, Chekhov's there. He could do that. Yeah, and they do, like, shift <laughs> some of the dialogue. Like, you know, in, in the, the... I mean, there is some interesting stuff just in terms of, you know, storytelling stuff where it's, like, in the episode, he calls down to the transporter room and says, like, hey, how's the beaming thing? And here he just asks Chekhov, and Chekhov answers it. <laughs> So how's the beaming thing? Yeah. So Scotty comes up with the idea to use the phasers. I do kind of like how they they sort of uh, modified Scotty's character to make him more Simon Pegg like in the comic. Yes. It's kind of every 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 answer to every question is something you know. How are you doing, Scotty? I'm thirsty. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Yeah. Which I like. I like that that character in the movie. I think that's kind of cool what they did with him. Yeah. The the big difference to me is is the ending. So they don't make it the the shuttle doesn't make it out of orbit as the Enterprise is leaving and Spock jettisons and ignites the fuel to like send up a flare to show where they are. Mm-hmm. That that's what happens in the episode. But in this one they never they never make it out of orbit before they decide that, you know, we've got to oh, now we have to start letting people off. And What's what's most interesting to me is Spock seems in the comic more insistent on sacrificing himself. And I wonder how much of that is because, according to this timeline, he just watched his homeworld explode. Yeah, well, there, there there's an interesting thing here first. You know, like in, in the episode, it's always like, well, we're going to have to leave someone behind, you know? And then, um, what, it's just that basically enough people die that it becomes a a moot point, right? Right. Okay, in the comic, which I think is weird, the the one guy dies or whatever, but, you know, they keep the the body on board, and then Spock, in a very illogical move, says, like, let's do this, you know? Let's try it and see what happens. And it's like, why, why would Spock say that? Why would Spock say, like, yeah... Yeah, let's throw logic away and just see if we can actually take off. And then they, yeah. And then they try taking off, and it doesn't work. I mean, like here, you know, Spock says, "Everyone, strap yourselves in." And then, uh, is it Boma? He says, "What about the weight? Won't we crash unless someone stays behind?" And he says, "A hypothetical. I am willing to risk, Mister Boma." And then they take off, and then you know they're up in the air. 
And Boma's like, uh, sorry about that, you know, outburst commander, you know, that was, you know, whatever. And then they have a sudden power loss and the thing goes back down and then they need to, like that to me, like if they really wanted to push what you're talking about with, you know, Spock's death wish, then instead of trying to take off, he would have just been like, I'm staying behind, you know, and basically so, would have played out the way that it does in the in the volcano. So maybe it's the, the opposite of what I'm trying to read into it about Spock's death, but maybe it's more that he wants to save everyone that he couldn't save on Vulcan. Mm, I, I'm yeah. trying to... I'm. Yeah, I could see that. I, I feel like each one of these comics, the destruction of Vulcan affects it in some way. Yeah. Yeah, maybe Spock is trying to save everyone because he couldn't save everyone on Vulcan. And that causes more problems than original. Mm-hmm. That's why they don't make it into orbit and have to do the fuel thing. Yeah. Because they had too much weight because Spock wanted to save everybody and all the bodies so that they get good burials and stuff that he wasn't able to do for Vulcan. Right. That makes sense. And the the only way that he's saved is because Uhura steals a shuttle in the comic. Right. And just happens to find him, which is convenient because all the other shuttles couldn't find them. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Maybe Maybe Spock being, you know, uh, telepathic, light, you know, a light pe- telepath. Maybe there was a, she was drawn to him. Yeah, you know, know. like thinking about it, like, because the way that it plays out at the end, you know, they're, they're, they're meeting with, with Kirk or whatever, and Uhura's like, sorry, Captain, I violated the order and everything like that. And Kirk's like, forget it. I'm just mad I didn't think of it first. <laughs> like, they could have done that where they just, where he's like, beaming what people whatever but then they don't send any shuttlecraft out you know Mm -hmm. i mean that would have made sense because they don't really say how she found him just that she left right right so i don't really get that but whatever maybe maybe the comic would have been better had they established some kind of well we don't want to send more shuttles because what if the same thing happens right which would make sense like some kind of field that knocks out their power, you know, some some kind of thing, an obvious danger that they wouldn't be able to send the shuttles down. Mm-hmm. And maybe that would have helped with the thing, and she risked it, and because she risked it by herself, maybe because she was by herself, maybe, okay, maybe the planet has like a higher gravity or something, and her being alone in the shuttle is what allowed her to get through the... Maybe Maybe if they had some more pages, they would have expanded on something like that but yeah they decided to keep it the same and just have the different ending right and the ending in the in the episode itself where he ignites the fuel and they're like what we're gonna have not gonna have enough fuel to get back and he's like yeah i know but maybe this will act as a flare or whatever and then it works and then he gets back on the ship and and this whole episode which is about how spock does the logical thing and everything like that then they have him back on the ship, and they're like, hey, you know, that was desperation. You know, you did that in desperation. Desperation is a highly illogical, you know, thing, and, and all this stuff. And they're like, you you, you did this, and, you know, you, you, it probably wouldn't have worked, but it ended up working. And, you know, can you admit that you didn't use logic, you used emotion? And he's like, no. And they're like, yeah, yeah, right. And, like, I watched that, and I'm like, 
No, Spock is right here. That was the logical thing to do because they weren't going to make it back with the fuel that they had. So he did the one thing that he could do. He increased their odds, like he was saying, you know, before, you know, when they're like, we're all going to die on this planet. We might as well, you know, be buried properly. And he's like, look, how about we increase our odds of not dying on this planet? You're probably right. We probably are going to die. But we have a greater chance of dying if I spend my time burying this dude as opposed to working on this shuttle. So it's like you can try flying with this little fuel and it's not going to work. So you ignite it and it's like, let's see what happens. That's the logical thing to do. Spock used logic when he ignited that fuel. And then they, they were giving him crap about it once he got back on the ship. And it's like, no. And like, if I was Spock, I would just been like, man. You guys really don't know what logic is, do you? <laughs> I, I give up. You know what? I just We're I just done. give up. He just turns and he walks off the bridge yeah. as everybody lasts. <laughs> just goes down the turbo lift. Yeah. And, and they're all thinking like, oh, we got the Vulcan. And he's just like, I work with freaking idiots, you know? Maybe maybe what he the next what we don't see is the next day after the Galileo seven episode is him uh, presenting a PowerPoint. This is what logic is, people. <laughs> yeah. That's... Logic is not like acting like a computer like you seem to think. Yeah. Galileo 8 just takes place in a conference room and it's Spock and <laughs> seven other random dudes. He's just explaining <laughs> logic to them. I love it. I, I, I want to see that episode. What we'll do is next time that I talk to the uh, Star Trek Continues people. Oh, yeah. Because this last one was a direct... Uh, a direct sequel. sequel to Mirror Mirror. We need to have him do a direct sequel to Galileo Seven, where it's just Spock explaining logic no. to the crew. See, that's great. Like, there's this thing, like, in, in you know, no one will ever see these things. But you know, when I was in like high school, I made like a detective short film, right? Okay. Where this guy is a private detective. Blah blah blah, and um. You know, like I, anytime I made a short film, I would stick this guy in there because he was my best friend or whatever. And and one time I was like sitting around with Max talking about like stuff, and I'm like, you know, we were talking about making a movie or whatever. I'm like, you know what? We've never seen this character, like how he became a private detective. That would be cool, <laughs> okay. right? And Max is like, no, that wouldn't be cool. You know what that would be? <laughs> that would be him. Going to like the DMV, filling out a bunch of paperwork and getting his detective license. And I'm like, that's good. Let's do that. <laughs> and and we shot it and it was great. It was like him and we had like this whole montage where he's like beating people up and stuff like that. And then it's like, but how did I get this license? And then it cuts to him like in an office and he's like, you know, talking to this woman and she's like, you need to fill out form 51C, you know? And then bring that back along with these forms and all this other stuff. I'm telling you, it, Galileo 8. <laughs> that's what Galileo 8 needs to be. Star Trek continues, needs to do this. They could shoot it in a day. Like, yes. well, just when they, they're doing episode four or whatever, just have some people go off to the side. It would take like five hours to shoot this thing, you know? Maybe that should be on us. Maybe we'll have to go down there. We need to do and that. do it ourselves we, on the sets they're not using. We, we, need, we need to talk to them about that. Because why wouldn't they do that, you know? Just put it on as like a little short, you know, like their version of Marvel's one-shots. <laughs> they, they could do that for like every episode. It's like, and here's another little five-minute episode. Yes, another five-minute sequel of what was happening in between episodes. We need to talk to them about that. Yeah, that'd be good.
I would watch that. I'd be more interested in that than whatever the regular episode is. <laughs> well, it was fun talking about uh, Galileo 7 and Galileo 8 and and the other potential sequels. But that's just one of the Trek topics we've been talking about on Trek FM this week. Here's a quick look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.FM, Standard Orbit. With the Slushoverse, a lot of people are wondering, is JJ going to stick Slusho into Star Wars? <gasps> Earl Grey. It's like Leroy Jenkins. You know, he comes running in. <laughs> Sir, there's another starship entering the zone. It's the Enterprise. <laughs> Enterprise. <laughs> the orb. But the, here's the thing. They put themselves in a box with Dax. It's such a cool sci-fi concept to say that the symbiont is the 300-year-old slug and the outer host body, you know, they're, they're mixed together. And that the, the host changes from the... The ready room. Because, I mean, what's the alternative? If you're, if you're not going to do what, what Chris just suggested, I mean, what's he going to do? Get down on his knees and say, oh, Emissary, I'm with you now? I mean, <laughs> right, that's right. not really going to work either, right? So Allow me to, to ride my flaming chariot back to Starfleet. To the journey! I am genuinely excited for this week's episode because we are doing a commentary on Threshold. Yes, you heard that right. Threshold, the infamous episode that everybody loves to hate, but I love to love it. Warp 5. But the fact that they had been in so many other shows before, that they literally were pulling footage from Voyager to help flesh out that episode, I think it's sort of like, it's a it's an Easter egg and it's a theme and it's also literally pulling out of another show. Commentary, Trek stars. I feel like he always had the sense that the younger generation had a, a much clearer sense of what the future was going to be like than, than sort of the, the previous one. Melodic Treks. And these theme come on and I just thought brilliantly tied in with the original series because these were the original series characters but it was a movie feel and he just did a brilliant job on his composition. Continuing mission. We have had long discussions in the office about how we can get an appropriate chair sitting simulator into the game. Unfortunately, that's such a specific system that would really only be used by Riker. Literary Treks. And then she leads him back to her place and says, Welcome back to my place. It's a good place to be together. And Kirk says, Together is good. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out these shows and get in on the Daily Trek Talk. You'll find them on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, the Windows Podcast Directory for Xbox and Zune, or you can stream from the website. Just visit trek.fm slash pd for podcast directory to get all the links. If anybody wants to contact us, pitch their five-minute sequels to episodes or whatever, just go to trek.fm slash contact. There's a form there. Choose to send a show and choose Standard Orbit. That'll come to both of us by email. Or you can find the tab that allows you to send a voicemail using your webcam's microphone, which maybe will play your pitch on the air. Or you can join our forums on trek.fm slash forums. In social media, you'll find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm and on Twitter under username trek.fm. Mike, where can people find you out of orbit? Well, you can find me right here on trek.fm doing commentary Trek Stars with Max. And you can also find me on commentarytrackstars.com where I do commentary Trek Stars off topic with Max and our friend Brandon. And you can also find me on Twitter at mumbles3k.
You can find me on Twitter at 005, D-O-U-B-L-E-O-F-I-V-E. And you can find me on guesting on various other shows around the network. Before we go, we'd like to ask everyone to please support our sponsors who help us bring Standard Orbit to you each week. And our first sponsor for the show is Audible.com. Audible is a great way for you to read all the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have time for. Audible is the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers and even some of the most famous Star Trek books like Prime Directive, Federation, and Spock's World, Audible has something for everyone. Mike, what do you have for everyone? Well, I have a book which it would seem looks at uh, old Spock's adventures in a, in a post-TNG world. Star Trek Exodus, the Vulcan Soul Trilogy, book one. It's written by Josepha Sherman and Susan Schwartz. It's narrated by Boyd Gaines. And it says, Following their bestsellers Vulcan's Forge and Vulcan's Heart, Sherman and Schwartz embark on a new trilogy chronicling the latter-day adventures of one of Star Trek's most beloved characters, shedding new light on his world's shocking history. I'm assuming that the character that they're talking about is Boma, but I could be wrong. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's Spock. I'm not sure. They've got Spock on the cover, but, you know, covers are usually inaccurate. That's true. So, yeah, and you can get this book for free on audible.com since you're a listener to Trek FM. That's right. As a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a 30-day trial just to see how great Audible is. So give it a try today. Catch up on all those classic Star Trek books you've yet to read and that latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And we thank Audible for supporting Standard Orbit and Trek FM. And our new sponsor, TrekFan, is a great way for you to take your love of Star Trek and put it into action. At TrekFan, you will explore new places, learn new things, and collaborate with other fans to solve puzzles, complete real-life mission objectives, and win great prizes. Challenges include communications, engineering, and flight operations. There's internet relay chat, free books through Starfleet Academy, and much more. Best of all, it's absolutely free. Not just free to play, but completely free. Find out more by visiting fm.trekfan.org. Again, that's fm.trekfan.org. And remember to use this special URL so they know you heard about it here on Standard Orbit and Trek FM. Well, everybody, thanks for listening. Have a good week and keep on trekking. It is the will of Landry. Mr. Chekhov, take us out of orbit ahead, walk factor one. Hi, sir.